You're listening to the Gate Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. All right, so this morning we're going to be reading from Romans 15, 8 to 13, and then, and then skipping to 16, 25 to 27. I'm combining those two passages for our message this morning. And um, we're going to be talking about hope. So Romans 15, 8 to 13, 16, 25 to 27. It says this, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that is alive and active and that it speaks to us, Lord God, that it cuts to, to, the, to the marrow and, and to the heart, Lord God. And, and uh, I pray that you would do that in us this morning as we, as we discuss your word, as we, as we discuss who you've called us to be, and, and as we ponder and, uh, the wonder and the marvel of the hope that you've given us through Jesus Christ, Lord. We seek to glorify your name. It's all about you this morning. Amen. All right, I went to a movie with uh, Cam this week. It's Cam right there. Everyone look at Cam. He's wearing a Seattle Seahawks shirt there. Um, he's got an idolatry problem with the Seattle Seahawks. I told him I wouldn't make fun of him. I, I totally lied. I repent of that. Um, anyways, I went to a movie with Cam this week called Justice League. And uh, I'm a pretty big nerd. So I was pretty stoked to see Batman mixing it up with Wonder Woman and The Flash and, and uh, Superman and, and all them on the big screen, right? But a couple of days before we went to this movie, we noticed that the reviews for the movie were, were, were coming in, and they were pretty bad. They were pretty poor reviews. And so at one point, Cam sent me a text lamenting his concern and, and his lack of expectation that it was uh, going to be any good. So I replied saying, well, you know, it might not be good, but at the very least, I hope that it's entertaining. And uh, sorry if I offend any fans out there, but after seeing the movie, I can say that it was neither good, nor was it entertaining at all. Uh, it was quite bad, actually. Uh, and my only solace in the whole thing is that I had got my ticket for free with scene points, so I didn't pay for it. So that was a relief, uh, because if I had, I would be pretty even more disappointed. But still, in the end, what little hope that I had that this movie might be entertaining was just just squashed, just just gone. But, but when I think about that kind of hope, you know, what, what kind of hope is that anyway, right? Uh, it's, it's just a silly kind of hope, right? It's, it's a hope based on nothing. 
really, right? Or, or for one thing, it's a, it's a selfish kind of hope based on my individual preferences, right? And a desire to be entertained, whatever that is, right? But really, in the end, it's just a worthless and watered down kind of hope anyway, based on uncertainty. And it's basically, in the end, it's just a wish, right? Uh, and at Christmas time, we tend to do this uh, at all times, but especially at Christmas time, we throw around words like joy, love, peace, and hope. But we tend to diminish the meaning of all of these words. Uh, you know, we have them on our signs out and on the street and love, joy, peace, right? Uh, but we diminish them, including and especially the one about hope. Right? I hope I get an Xbox for Christmas. I hope Uncle Bob doesn't drink all the eggnog again. I hope I don't gain too much weight over the holidays. I hope Pastor Greg doesn't preach too long on Christmas Eve. All these things that just won't come true. Right? Um, I'm just kidding. The last one will come true. Uh, right? But we use the word hope like it's synonymous with a wish. Right? Speaking of wishes, that's one thing that I'm going to miss from Sears. Right? The, the wish book. Right. You know, what I'm talking about the wish book as a kid. I grew up, you know, we got the wish book in the mail and I got so excited, you know, and looking through all the toys and the gadgets and the, the gift ideas at the beginning. And I'm circling everything, you know, because that, that's what I wanted so badly. I'm going to miss I'm going to miss the wish book. Um, but I appreciate that they called it for what it is, a wish book, not a hope book, because if hope is just a wish. It's not much to write home about, right? It's, it's, if hope is scrambling in the dark, if hope is, is just a hand looking for a needle in a haystack, a one in a million chance, or even a one in a hundred chance, if that's all hope is, just a big glorified maybe, then it's certainly not worth celebrating over. It's definitely not worth betting on or placing our trust in. If hope is just wishing upon a star... Let's be honest, it's basically like the Oilers' chance of making the playoffs this year. It's pretty hopeless. Oh, there's a lot of Oilers fans here. Ah, wow, I didn't know. Canucks, on the other hand, there's some hope. Uh, anyways, but one of the greatest examples of true hope is written for us in the story of the wise men at Christmas. In fact, the whole Christmas story... Every character, you, you see this, there's a story of hope within all their stories, but I'm going to highlight just the wise men's story really quickly here. Uh, and, and their hope in the coming king and Messiah was, was set upon the night sky, right? Uh, which they waited for, for many generations, possibly 50 to, to 60 generations, or I don't, I don't know the math, but a long time, right? And, and hoping for the day that the sign of the Messiah, that star, would appear. But this wasn't an empty hope. They didn't wish for Jesus to be born. It was declared to them. It was prophesied to them. They believed it. They knew it would happen. And so they faithfully believed these prophecies, probably Daniel's prophecies, uh, and they passed it down to each generation, prepared their hearts for it. They waited and they longed for that day when it would come to pass. Not if it would come to pass, but when it would in other words, they didn't wish upon the star for their dream to come true, right? Their hope was revealed in the star. It confirmed the truth that they were waiting for. And then when it appeared, they followed it, right? In faith, they followed the star. They left their homeland. They journeyed from afar. They found Jesus and they worshipped him and they gave him gifts fit for a king. This is the reality of what hope is, of what biblical hope is. It's certainty. 
It's reliable. It's trustworthy. It's something we know we can look forward to, something that keeps us motivated, that, that can carry us through the day and, and get us up in the morning. Right? It's a finish line, a light at the end of the tunnel that we can follow that, that keeps us moving forward and forward in faith. This is the hope of the wise man. This is the hope of Mary. This is the hope of King David. This is the hope of Israel. This is the hope of all the nations. This is the hope of the world. So it's not just something cool or preferable that could happen. Hope gives us a glimpse and a promise of what will happen. And the Old Testament is full of these these moments, these glimpses and, and promises for what was to come and for who was to come. Right? Even from the beginning of creation, at the, the first sin, there's hope. At, to God's first covenant promise, to the revealing of the law, to the reigns of Israel and, and, and Judah's kings, right? to the many exiles and restorations of God's people, to the words of the prophets. Over 360 prophetic words, in fact, that Christmas morning would happen. Right? All these things pointing to something better, a coming king that would restore, that would rule, that would rescue God's people once and for all. This is true hope. And then John the Baptist, he came on, onto the scene before Jesus declaring that this hope was nigh. Right? He called the people to repent, to prepare their hearts for it, for the king who was going to come to usher in his glorious kingdom. To repent and believe that the kingdom is at hand, for hope is at hand. And then it happened. Hope was born. Hope was born to us on that Christmas day, on that first Christmas morning. Jesus' birth was the moment that every hope based on the promises of God, every event in the history of man was leading to and pointing to, right? The incarnation when the boy child would come into the world to dwell with us, to be Emmanuel, God with us in order to teach us about his kingdom, in order to make a way for that kingdom to come, to come to earth so that we can be a part of it. And of course, the cross is the, the center of this story, right? When Jesus, humble lamb of God, took on our sin and our shame and our punishment to the point of death so that by his grace, we can have the free gift of righteousness. We can be adopted into the kingdom of God as children of the Father, and to be honest, we often think the story stops there, right? But it, but it doesn't. At Christmas, we're actually reminded that we don't need to hope in Jesus' birth again because it already happened, right? But that our hope now, which is one at the cross, is for when Jesus comes again. And when he comes once, once and for all as the King of kings and Lord of lords, he comes as the righteous judge, Right? As a warrior to crush Satan's reign completely and destroy the effects of sin and death and hell on earth for good. In order, he, he comes in order to usher his people into the new heaven and earth. To gather up his church, the bride, to himself. To present us without shame or blemish to the Father. Revelation 21, 1-5 to shows us the end of this story. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, 
I am making all things new. That's the, that's the ending of the story. And that's why at Christmas time, when we remember that Jesus came to dwell with us, it should always point us first to the hope of the cross and second to the hope that he's coming again to make all things new. When there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, but new resurrection life in the presence of our God. That sounds pretty good to me. I read, a, I read a blog post online the other day, and I don't know why I do that. Um, the people who laugh know, know why we shouldn't do that, because they're opinionated, uneducated pieces. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's my opinion. But I stumbled on this, this blog in my, in my research for this Advent series, and, and uh, I had to click on it because it was, about, it was about how, in their opinion, joy to the world shouldn't be a Christmas song. And I was like, what? So I had to click on it. And the argument presented in this blog was that it wasn't a Christmas song because most of the verses were about what happens or is accomplished at the cross or what happens at the resurrection or what happens or what's going to be accomplished when Jesus returns again. And so they argued that this, this isn't actually about Jesus' birth. So it can't be a Christmas song. But the whole time I read the article, I was thinking to myself, this person doesn't get it. They don't get it. Those verses are exactly why Joy to the World is a Christmas song. Because even though those things didn't happen yet at Jesus' birth, the fact that he's born means that they will. They absolutely, unquestioningly will. Because that's what biblical hope is. If God says it, it will be. And the birth is a sign that all these things will come to pass. So the fact that Jesus was born basically means they already have. Hope means that we can trust and rejoice in what will happen as if it's already happened. That's biblical hope. It means that we can trust and rejoice in what will happen as if it's already happened. That's how certain our hope in God is. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of hope. So let me ask, how can we have faith if we don't have certain hope? Or even more appropriately, how can we even have obedience of faith, as it says in the passage from this morning, if we don't have certain hope? If our hope is just a wish. If our hope is just a wish and, and a big maybe, like I was talking about earlier, then guess what? We're not going to live like it's coming, right? We're not gonna, it's not going to be the sole thing that we strive for and live for and proclaim in our lives if we're not certain, if we're not sure, right? Because if we're not confident, our faith will be shaky at best. It will be conservative and careful in obedience, like, like dipping our toes into the water. Like, oh man, I hope this is the right path, but I'm not totally sure. So I'm just going to dip my toes in and we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm just going to test it, uh, give it a chance, but not, not totally commit to it. And then while I'm at it, I'm going to go to this pool over here and dip my toes in over here and try that just in case this one doesn't work out. And in case that one doesn't work out, I'm going to dip my toes into this one, right? That's what's going to happen if we're not sure. We're just sort of investing in a whole bunch of things just in case. But if we have certain hope, a full assurance of hope, then we can fully dive in. 
right? If Jesus is coming again, we'll live in obedience and worship to, unto him until that day, right? Preparing our hearts for it, longing for it. On that note, I often wonder at, at Christians these days because we, we have this hope, but it doesn't seem like it. You know, like uh, with all the chaos going on in the world that we see, all the morality struggles we're having, even in our own country and at our schools, all these things, whether it's racism or sexuality or, or abortions or death or corrupt governments or mass shootings or Game of Thrones, right? All these, all these things, right? The knee-jerk reaction for Christians, and not, not always, but often, and usually the, the loudest of the bunch, it seems to be to turn and run to the hills in fear and surrender as if the world's ending. Oh, the world's going to hell, Right? And if not that, then, then, I, then to turn around in anger or condemnation at, at God or at the world or at the church or, or whatever we want to point the blame at. Right? Either way, we, we often end up looking just as hopeless as the world does. But the truth is that if our hope truly rests in the cross and in Jesus coming again to restore all things, if we know that that's what we have to look forward to, if we know that that's our hope, then we'll act like it. Right? We'll be the people of hope, unshakable, unmovable in our faith and in our desire to prepare our hearts for that day, regardless of how hopeless the world looks, regardless of how hopeless our situation as Christians is. You know, whether it's society's pressure to conform or persecution, whatever it is, we'll keep moving forward as the body of Christ if we truly have that hope. Not that we're supposed to hide our feelings and and pretend like everything's all right all the time. Quite the opposite. We should be realistic and and empathetic to the problems in our lives and and in others' lives and in the world. We should have our eyes open to these things. But as Christians, we haven't been given the strength of the Holy Spirit only to fall into despair in in, in the midst of whatever we're going through. But rather, we've been given the hope so that we can get through. We've been given hope so that we can persevere in this world. Because of Christmas, because Jesus came to dwell with us, because his spirit dwells within us even now, we have assurance of faith. Romans 5.5 5 says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So the same spirit that Jesus was conceived by in the womb of Mary, right? the same spirit that, that was poured out Unto Jesus at the beginning of his ministry on earth, the same spirit that God used to lift him out of the grave, right? This, this same spirit dwells within each of us, each of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, first and foremost as a seal, as a promise that says we are his, a promise that says this hope will not disappoint This hope will not disappoint. Or as Marshall Seagal writes, this hope is as alive as Jesus is right now. And we need that. We need a hope that's alive and doesn't lead to disappointment. Right? Because let's be honest, sometimes hope definitely has the ability to breed disappointment. Right? If we put our faith and our hope on the wrong things. We can easily become disappointed. And disappointment then can cause us to quit 
or become depressed or become frustrated or angry. Again, like, like Cam and I, as we left the movie theater and the abomination that was supposed to be the Justice League movie, movie we longed and hoped for, right? A hope that was crushed by terrible CG, way too much slow motion, and, and as Cam says, way too many cheesy one-liners. Don't go to that movie. <laughs> but seriously, though, I'm sure you've all placed your hope in things, right? And maybe in people that you've trusted. I hope they would come through for you. And I bet sometimes they did, but I also bet sometimes they didn't. Because sometimes people we trust actually betray us. Sometimes people we trust actually let us down, whether on purpose or accidentally. Parents, friends, government, the list goes on, right? But it's not just other people. I tend to often place my hope and trust in myself. And I know that we, we all do that, right? I, I put my, my hope and my trust in my own abilities and my own knowledge. And to be honest, it, it usually doesn't end well when I do that. I often make mistakes as a husband. I make mistakes as a dad. I make mistakes as a pastor. I've been known to, to make a habit of, of letting myself down and letting others down because I'm not, I'm not perfect. And my point is that even having faith in ourselves can lead to disappointment. And since we're talking about Christmas, Christmas is coming. I'm sure a lot of you are probably hoping to get some pretty cool stuff, pretty cool gifts, right? Or maybe just, just hoping that your whole family is able to get together and, and join you, whatever it is. And you've placed your faith in, in your friends and in your family to come through for you, to get you these things that, that you want most, right? But there's no guarantee that, that you'll get these things. There's no guarantee that, 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 that your wishes will happen. But with Jesus, God's promises are 100% guaranteed. Because Jesus already won that for us at the cross. He already won free and eternal access to that one hope that will not disappoint. And again, this is important and, and something to rejoice in because we need hope. Because without God, we're hopeless. We're trapped in our sin. We're, we're headed for death. We're wandering in the darkness. We're broken, diseased, violent, greedy, prideful, poor. And this list is, is getting depressing, so I don't want to keep going. But without God, we're hopeless. But with God, we have this certain hope of his promises. In fact, one of the most amazing things about Christmas, the great thing for us, is that Jesus not only fulfilled God's promises to his people, but also made it so that we... Gentiles, right, the non-Jewish folks could be grafted in into the benefits of his covenant and his promises as well. So the hope that was given to them was always intended to be hope for us as well. Romans 15, 11 to 13 says, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So Jesus was born at Christmas for us. You, me, we get to have this free gift from the God of hope, so that we may abound in hope. 
Not to be cautiously hopeful, but assured in hope, to overflow with hope. Do we overflow with hope? What, is this, what does that even mean for us? Well, the hope that's been revealed to us at Advent means a lot of things. Notably that in seasons of trial and persecution, we're strengthened with the hope of his spirit within us to persevere in faith and look forward to what's ahead. In times of injustice, we can be reassured that when Jesus comes again as the righteous and just judge, that he will judge rightly and perfectly. In times of sickness or our struggles or our mental health or injury, we can rest in the hope of healing, either now or in eternity. We know that when our flesh is failing, we have the hope that our spirit is being made strong. In times of sadness, we're strengthened with all the hope of Christ, that he sympathizes with us, and also that one day all tears will be wiped away. In times of prosperity and joy, we can be strengthened and encouraged with the truth that when Jesus comes, it'll be even better. That those are just glimpses of the hope that we have. In times of helplessness and loneliness, we have the hope of a God who comforts us and restores us. In times of mourning and in death, we have a full assurance of hope and resurrection life. And in times of sin and sinful guilt and weakness and despair, we can have full assurance of hope in the grace of Christ to forgive us and the strength of Christ to move us into good works. Right? This hope that we've been given means that in our everyday lives, we can have the faith to live for Christ with all that we are, no matter what the circumstances. Even when, when things don't go the way we expect, we can have the faith that the one who's gone before us has prepared the way. And there are Bible verses to back up all those things that I said, but for time, we're not going to go there, but also for your own good, I want to challenge each of you to, to look up the word hope in your, in your, in your Bible apps. Look at all the, all the verses about the hope of Christ that have been fulfilled or that are coming. And you'll find much more promises and assurances than, than I've even said this morning. Because the reality of it is that it affects everything. Hope affects and changes everything. Our outlook, our attitude, our worldview, our behavior, what we invest in, how we react to circumstances. This hope changes everything. Which is why Peter writes in 1 Peter 1-3, to Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Because of Jesus, we've been born into a living hope. It's a life change, but it's, it's also life. It's with us now and it's waiting for us in eternity. And so if you haven't already, or if you need to refocus this morning, place your hope in the one who will not disappoint, in Jesus the King. And for all of us, let's live our lives and prepare our hearts for the day he comes by living in obedience and remaining steadfast as a people of hope. But enough about us, though. What about, what about the world? 
What about the world? We've, we've titled our, our Advent series, For the World. Is this hope just for us? Is it supposed to be hidden away in our, our hearts like a deep secret we're not allowed to tell? Is it supposed to be wrapped up neatly under, under the tree with just our name on it? It's just a free gift for, for me? Absolutely not. Like the hymn we sang this morning declared, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And Paul writes in Romans that the whole world is groaning and longing for Jesus to restore all things. And this hope that's been revealed to us in Christ then, that, this world, that the world is longing for, has been given to us so that we can share it with the world. That's our mandate as the church, to be glimpses of this hope on earth. We're called as a church to be the hope for the hopeless in the name of Jesus. And it's, and it's no secret, we all know that, that in this city, in this province, this country, and, and in this world, that it's filled with many, too many people living in hopelessness. Right? Whether it's in poverty or, or anxiety or in depression or situations of abuse or in loneliness, people need to see and know hope, living hope. And we know where it is. And so we need to show the world where to find it, especially at Christmas time. And we can start, first of all, by showing them what it looks like to be examples and pillars of hope to those around us, as I mentioned before. Right? And all this tragedy going on in the world, the world should look at Christians and hear us and be like, how are they so sympathetic and yet so hopeful? How can they keep on going in the midst of all this mess? How can they rejoice in all this mess? How can they rejoice when they don't have a job? How can they stand and sing praises to God at a funeral? And we can tell them because Jesus is alive and we're alive with him. It's kind of like when, when, when Paul and Silas were in prison in, in Acts. They're bound in chains. And their first reaction isn't to whine and cry about their predicament, but rather their first reaction is to, to publicly pray and exalt God in worship. Right? They publicly conveyed hope in a hopeless situation. All the other prisoners are hearing them, the jailers hearing them. They probably found it kind of annoying. But Paul and Silas didn't care. They trusted God because he is their hope. And then he came through for them. And actually gave them an opportunity to share the gospel with the jailer who gave his life to Christ. So to share the hope of Christ, we need to not only receive it, but also to live it, to display it, to give people a glimpse and a preview of what it, likes to, of what it looks like to have hope. Secondly, then, we can convey hope by simply telling people, right, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Christmas is a, a perfect time to do this. And if it doesn't come natural to you, then, then, then start praying for opportunities. Start praying for boldness to do this. Right? And think of it this way. If you're, if you're trapped on a desert island with a group of people, and uh, you're, it's your job to work the, the ham radio, right? And, and all of a sudden you hear on the radio that a boat's coming to pick you guys up. Are you going to keep this good news from the group? 
Are you, are you gonna, are you gonna keep it to yourself and not tell them that this, this good news about your hope of rescue and salvation? I, I hope not. My guess is that, that we'd tell, right? We'd proclaim we're gonna be rescued. There's hope. That's what we're called to do as Christians to this world. To share our hope by proclaiming it. A third way that we're called to share this hope is to, to actually be the hope of Christ in people's lives. To feed the hungry, clothe the naked, pray for the hurting, serve the poor and widows, stand up for victims of injustice. Basically to give the hopeless uh, an experience of what hope feels like and to know what it means to be loved and valued. And then again, we'll be given the opportunity to tell them the reason why. Because Jesus did the same for us. So again, be the hope of Christ to the world. And finally, while there are a lot more ways to display Christ, Christ's hope to the world, I'm going to end with this one from Romans 5, 1 to 2, which says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, And through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We show the world our hope by publicly rejoicing. Our worship is a witness to the hope that we've been given through Christ. And let me ask you all all this in closing. You know, when we see the magnitude and glory of our King, when we, when we look unto him who is able, when we look unto the hope that does not disappoint, when we think about he came into the world to save us and, and how he's coming again, when we ponder all these things in our heart, how could we not rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? How could we not? So let us do that this morning. Let us rejoice with the view of that hope at the forefront of our minds and hearts and let us rejoice in such a way that the world will see us and know that true hope is alive, that true hope only comes from God through Jesus Christ, the promised King, who was born on that first Christmas day and is certainly coming again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we look around us and and we see uh, a weary world when we see a world that's groaning and longing for you. Lord, when we think of our own lives and the frustrations and and disappointments and our sin that we're feeling guilty over, Lord God. We think of, of, of trials and circumstances that have occurred in our lives that are out of our control. Lord God, when we, when, when we think of all these things, it's easy to become hopeless. It's easy to become frustrated and, and, and disappointed and give up, Lord God. But, but we thank you that at Christmas time, we remember that hope was born. That hope came to dwell with us. Jesus, that you came to save us and bring us into that hope. And Lord, I thank you that, that, that your Holy Spirit dwells within us, Lord God, and I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would continually remind us and point us to the hope, the hope that, that you won at the cross, Lord God, the hope that we have of you coming again to restore all things. 
Lord God, I pray for anyone here this morning that is feeling hopeless, Lord. That you would speak to them right now. That you would raise them up. You would draw them into your presence, Lord. That you would carry them through whatever they're going through. Lord God, ultimately, I pray that that we as a church, as the body of Christ, Lord God, would be a beacon of hope to this city and to the world. For your name, for your glory. Amen.